Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, we find God creating the heavens, the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, light, uh, animals, plant life, fish life, separating the firmaments, water above from the waters beneath. And he creates man and woman, woman on the sixth day. And uh, we're going to begin reading, if you will, in verse number 25 of chapter 1. Verse number 25. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every, living, uh, over every creeping thing. That creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Very, very important verse. We're going to take some time to study that a little bit tonight. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the earth, uh, the fowl of the air. And over every living thing that moveth upon the earth, God said, Behold, I have given you uh, every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, every tree in which is the fruit of of a tree yielding seed to you. It shall be for me. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for me. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. We find in verse number two, or chapter number two, a little more extensive uh, uh, documentary, I guess you would say, or a little more descriptive uh, thing of what God did when he created man and woman. I want to take a moment to look at that as well. If you will, look in chapter two, <clears throat> and we'll begin in verse number 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Another very important verse. Please keep that in mind. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called Every living creature, that was the name thereof. Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found in help meat for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and the wife, and were not ashamed. Father, we pray that you'll bless in the message tonight, speak to our hearts, and Lord, give wisdom and clarity. Lord, I pray that the principles that we will be dealing with tonight that are so vital in this day and age, that we will be able to clearly articulate and get across the principle and the truth from these passages that I believe are quickly slipping away in our society. And I pray that you would help us to hold fast to that uh, sound doctrine, to to the truth of your word, Lord, that we would commit even now at the onset 
that if you'll show us your truth, we will walk in it. Lord, may our decisions be made now, not at the invitation time, that we will surrender to the leading of your Holy Spirit, the instruction he gives in our heart of hearts as we listen to your word of God being proclaimed. I pray that you'll give guidance and clarity of thought tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 1904, we just recently celebrated the 100th anniversary of it. There was a great ship that was built called the Titanic. Titanic was supposed to be an unsinkable ship. We all know the story, how that on its maiden voyage it ran into an iceberg. And uh, for whatever reason, whether it was the arrogance of the captain or whatever the case was, the ship began to sink. Thousands of people, hundreds of people lost their lives. And uh, many acts of heroism took place on that night. And uh, I can remember reading as a young person some of the stories of uh, the, th- the events that took place on the deck as some of the survivors recounted things that they saw of men who would uh, kiss their wives and young boys who would hug their mothers and watch them as they got into lifeboats. Men who would give their life vests away and to uh, women and to those children that needed to be taken in the lifeboats. One of the stewards that survived that night that was in charge of one of the lifeboats was interviewed after the uh, event took place. And uh, they said, Sir, we hear that the cry on the deck of the Titanic was women and children first. He said, Was that the law of the captain or was that the law of the sea? And the steward looked at the reporter and he said, Sir, that's just a law of nature. Now fast forward, if you will, about 80 or so years, about 19, I think late 80s, early 90s, another ship sank uh, by the name of the Estonia, and the cry on the deck that day was, every man for himself. One of the survivors, a man, which by the way, most of the survivors of the Estonia were men, was interviewed after the sinking And they said, sir, we heard that most people were saying uh, every man for himself. And the man said, that's right. He said, if women want equality so much, they have it. And it is every man for himself. How in the world did we ever get from a place where men were noble and men were chivalrous and men held women in high regard as God intended them to do and would cry out on the decks of the Titanic, women and children first. How have we digressed in less than a hundred years to men who would stand by and rip life vests away from crippled women on the decks of the Estonia and say, every man for himself. I want us to look at some things tonight, and I want you to consider some things very, very carefully this evening, especially the men that are in the room. As we look in Genesis chapter number 1, in verse number 27, the Bible says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, and he has a semicolon there as a continuation of the thought, male and female created he them, within the context of creating them in his image. Understand this tonight, that God has created a man to be a man, And only as a man exercises his role as a man does he truly reflect the image of God that he was created in. Uh, Similar to that, God has created women to be women. 
And only as women portray the role that God has given them in Scripture do they reflect accurately the image of God. As we get into chapter number 2, we find that God creates a garden. In verses 4 and following, we find that the Lord God in verse number 8 of chapter 2 plants a garden eastward in Eden. He puts man in the garden. Verse number 15, where we begin reading in chapter 2, the Bible says, The Lord God took man and put him into the garden of Eden. Notice this, men, please understand this, to dress it and to keep it. I don't know how many times in my lifetime I've heard men say, Oh, I tell you what, if it hadn't been for Adam in the Garden of Eden, I wouldn't have to work. Wait a minute. Work is a blessing from the Lord that He gave to us before the fall of man. Now follow me for a minute and stay with me if you will. God puts man in the Garden of Eden before sin to dress it and to keep it, and He gives man a responsibility. I want you to be created in my image. I've got a role for you. This is how I have built you. This is the best way that you will run. Years ago, I built a house for my wife and I down in Florida, and I bought an old F-100 stake bed, uh, flatbed truck. And a friend of mine, his name is Sean, uh, wanted to borrow that truck one day. He had to haul some stuff. I was in the middle of building my house. I we really didn't have time for him to borrow it, but I let him borrow it in the evening time after I'd finished working on the house and said, make sure I got it back. I got to be at, uh, at the house about five in the morning to meet the concrete guys and make sure you're there and make sure you have it back to me. And so he did, and he just had to run a mile or two. <clears throat> and I didn't expect him to put any fuel in the truck, but he did. And I, th- I was thankful for that. I got in the truck the next morning, had a full tank of gas. I thought, boy, what a friend he is. I cranked it up, and that thing started sputtering and spitting, smoke pouring out of the tailpipe. I I mean, I smoked out the neighbors, literally, in our trailer park that we lived in at the time. I mean, just it looked like uh, one of those NASCAR engines that just explodes on the track, and smoke went everywhere. And uh, I called Sean up, woke him up about 5.30 in the morning, and I said, Sean, I said, did this truck run okay last night? He said, oh, yeah, it ran fine. I said, did the engine make any kind of weird sound? I thought he'd blown my engine up. He said, no, no, it ran fine. I said, man, I, something's wrong with it. I said, it won't, won't stay running. It's running real rough. It's backfiring and smoke pouring out of the tailpipe like you wouldn't believe. And I said, something's wrong. He said, I don't know what. He said, it was running fine when I parked it. I said, okay. I hung up the phone. I got out and I went back there. And the only thing I could think is he filled it up with fuel. So I went back and I took the gas, can, gas cap off and I put my nose down there. And I smelt diesel. The pump that he had gone to had one of those kind where he had two nozzles on it. He picked up the wrong one, stuck it in the truck. And it being an old truck, it didn't have the little thing that keeps you from sticking that big nozzle of a diesel in it. He filled that thing up with diesel. Now, did it run? Yeah, of sorts, if you could call it that. But boy, it spit and it sputtered and it didn't want to work. You know why it didn't want to work? Because it wasn't designed have diesel in it. Now let's roll back to a minute to what God has designed a man to do. A man was designed to work. And only as he does what he is designed to do is he satisfied with life. 
How many men do you know have you met in your lifetime, or even ladies for that matter, who have, have, have frittered their life away and they, they just kind of, they, they don't work for a living and they're in depression all the time because they don't work. Why? Because God designed men to work. At the time that God created Adam, he had just one great responsibility, and that was to dress and keep the Garden of Eden. But look with us in the Bible because God begins to add to Adam's responsibilities. In verse number 16, the Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Notice this. I want you to notice who God tells this to. Very, very important. Verse number 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. By the way, I, I'm not, it doesn't bother me when a man says, this is my help meet. But there's no such word as help meet. I'm sorry. God created Adam a help that was meet for him. The word meet here means suitable. She completes him. She assists him in the work God has given him to do. Now, let me just say this, ladies. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the ladies' role tonight. But only as women fulfill the role God created them to be do they reflect the image of God that they were created in. And the role that God has given women is to be a help to the man to accomplish the work God has given him to do. Now, there are various ways that women can assist man and be the help that is suitable for the man to accomplish the work that God's given him to do. But suffice to say, we live in a day and age where women have forgotten their God-given role. Now, we get here as we get in verse number 18, And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field uh, and of every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called the living creatures was the name thereof. So he's tending and keeping creation still here. God creates Eve in verses 21 to 23. And in 24, God adds a responsibility to Adam's list. Therefore, Shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall, what's the next word there? Cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. This word cleave is very, very interesting. It's one of the few words in the English language that can have two possible meanings that are exactly opposite. Uh, If we were to talk about cleaving meat, we would be talking about what? Separating it, cutting it apart, correct? Correct. We even have an instrument in the kitchen we use called a meat cleaver, okay? However, in this particular instance, when the word cleave here is used, it does not mean to divide. It means to bring that which is divided into one flesh. Therefore, the man now assumes a secondary role that God has now given him responsibility for, and that role is this, to provide, to protect And to cherish with all of his heart his wife. Kids aren't on the scene yet. Now all Adam has to do is tend and keep the garden. And to protect, provide, and cherish his wife. God has given man that role. And as we fulfill that role, we reflect the image of God. Later on, as we find in chapter number 4 we'll find that God adds another responsibility to Adam, that of fatherhood. 
Now he's got a responsibility not only to protect and provide and to cherish his wife, but now he has a responsibility to provide, to protect, and to uh, love and cherish his children and to also raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Now we get into chapter number 3, and the Bible says, The serpent was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now we just read a few moments ago in chapter number 2 what God actually said. What did God actually say? Let's take a look at it in chapter number 2. Verse number 16, and, God, uh, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. We find that Eve adds something here. Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Let me ask you a question. According to Scripture, and all I'm going to ask you is according to Scripture, it may or may not have taken place. We've not been told this in Scripture, though. Does God ever tell Eve what she's to do with that tree? Who did he tell? Adam. How did Eve know? Adam has a responsibility to be the spiritual leader of his household. As he follows Christ, he is to lead his family. Men, that's a lot of responsibility. God's given great strength. He's also given great responsibility to men. Women, on the other hand, have their own role. We won't take time to go into all of the role of the woman because it's not Mother's Day today. It's Father's Day. But I want to say this. We're living in a society that is quickly blurring the lines of distinction between a man and a woman. And it's very, very important that our churches stand up, not in a hateful spirit, but to simply say there's a role that God has given men to fulfill, and I as a man must fulfill it. And ladies, there needs to be some ladies that will stand up and begin reading Scripture and finding what God has given for ladies and to say that's the role that God has given me to do, and only as I do what I am designed and built to do will I be satisfied. Only as I do what God has given me to do will I be thoroughly happy and joyful in my life. But see, here's what happens. I'm going to just try to give an analogy quickly tonight. This is not original with me. I heard another preacher use this illustration. I'm going to try to do it as well as he did and as clearly as he could to try to illustrate this point. On one side, we have a woman, and she is given the role of Scripture, what God has intended for her to be. And only as she fulfills that role can she reflect the image of God. And on this side, we have a man, and again, the same thing. He's been given a role in Scripture. And only as he fills that role of Scripture is he able to reflect accurately the image of God that he's been created in. Now, I'm going to call a place here in the middle, and I'm going to be very careful because I know we have children here tonight. But can I say this tonight carefully? A man can never become a 100% woman. The best he can do is become 0% man. We're going to call this the, the blurred zone here. This is where the distinction that God has created in Genesis becomes completely blurred. 
He can never cross beyond 0% man to the point where he's becoming more of a woman. I don't care what science does. Neither can a woman become 100% man. The best she can do is become 0% woman. You follow me so far? Now understand this. There's two different responses here. The lady many times, the woman many times will look at Scripture and they'll look at the, the responsibility and the leadership that God has given to a man. And ladies, please understand me tonight. God has given you an elevated place of honor. Why in the world would you ever want to step down from that? To be in a place where the man is to honor and to cherish and to love you and protect you and provide for you. Y'all can kick your feet up if you want to. And the man's responsible to take care of you. Amen? Why would you ever want to give that up? But the man, they look at that responsibility and they say, boy, I want to be more like a man. And we see women marching in the streets saying, I want equal rights. I want to become like a man. Why in the world they would ever want to do that? I don't know. Because the responsibility is great. And they're wanting more of the responsibility. They're wanting more of the leadership role. The man, on the other hand, is not looking at the ladies' role saying, well, they have an elevated status. They have a place of honor. And I really want that. That's not what the man's doing. The man's doing the same thing the woman's doing. He's looking at the great responsibility. And he's saying, oh, this great responsibility that God's given me, I've got to provide for my family. That's a lot of pressure. I've got to love and cherish my children and my wife. That's a lot of pressure. I've got to see that I've raised my children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I've got to see that I instruct my wife spiritually and lead her spiritually into a place where she loves the Lord with all of her heart. That's a lot of responsibility. And the man looks at it and he says, I don't want that much responsibility. Because we've not raised our young men this way. And instead of the man looking towards the woman and saying, I want to be more like her and walking toward her, he simply looks to the responsibility and begins backing away from it. And as he backs away, he becomes less than 100% man. And as the woman looks at the responsibility and leadership that God's given to the man in the home, and they begin to take steps to assume that role, they begin to be less than 100% woman. And the more they do this, the less they reflect the image of God that they were created in. How many of you understand tonight, God didn't make a mistake when He made you. And only as you fulfill the role God's given you are you most satisfied, are you most happy in life. Is it possible that Christ-honoring Bible-believing Christians unwittingly have contributed to the blurring of our society. Oh, Brother Greg, I I would never do anything like that. Well, wait a minute. Are we taking that role that God's given us at 100% and saying, I will, if I were on the decks of that Titanic today, I would be shouting, women and children first. Or would we be saying, if women want equality, they have it. Shove them to the deck, yank the life vest from them, and save themselves. Where would we be today? Boy, I'd love to think that our hearts, men, are in the place where we would say, you know what? I'd be willing to give my life for my wife, for my children. Can I say this, men? We'd be willing to give our life for any lady whether she's our wife or not. Give our life for them. 
men that are willing to say, I'm going to lay down my life willingly. A man wrote a book recently. I don't want to endorse the book or the man specifically, but there were some great truths in it. It was called The Greatest Generation. The author of the book believed that the greatest generation in America was the World War II generation. Because we had men who had the character, whether they wanted to be in that war or not, and most of them did not want to be in that war, they knew that there was something greater that they were laying their life down for. Not since World War II have we seen the character of men in that large proportion. Oh, I'm not saying there aren't men that have that kind of character. There are. But they are getting fewer and fewer as the days go by. The Bible teaches us men that we are to raise our children. The young men are to be taught by the older men and the men are supposed to teach them these roles, the things that God has in store for them. Ladies, likewise, are to teach the young women. Why? Because only as we fulfill the role that God has given to us are we satisfied and are we happy. You say, well, Brother Greg, you're talking about one being greater than another. No, 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 no. You've totally missed the whole thing. God has given man a role, and only as he fulfills 100% of that role is he ever successful in the Christian life. God has given a woman a role, and only as she fulfills 100% of that role is she successful in the Christian life. And both roles are mightily important to God. For you see, God looked at man and said, there's no way he'll ever accomplish the task that I've given to him. He needs a help. He needs a help that is suitable, that is meet for him. God has given each of us certain responsibilities and certain roles, but I want to speak to the men tonight. I was talking to my youngest two children the other day coming home from somewhere where we were at. And Alyssa was sitting there in the car as I was talking to them, and she made a comment to me. And with the comment, I said, Liss, I'm afraid that you will never grow up in the kind of America that your mom and I grew up in. Those days are long gone. Because men have shirked the responsibility of raising their children and teaching them the role that God has given to them. We've backed away from it, men. When was the last time we were chivalrous and noble? When was the last time we opened a door for somebody and taught our young men to open a door for a lady? When was the last time we taught young men to treat their sisters right? When I was a kid, and I'm sure some of you that are older in the room tonight know something similar to this probably happened in your life. When I was growing up, it was just my older sister. She was older than me by two years. Her name is Leanne. When we were growing up, my dad pulled me aside one day and he said, Greg, he said, don't ever fight. If I ever catch you fighting, you're getting a belt. Man, we had whippings in our house and then we had whoopings. Let me tell you something. The whoopings were worse than the whippings. Some of you know what I mean. The whoopings you remembered a whole lot longer. And I remember getting in a fight one time, and my dad whooped me, and boy, he whooped me, and I'll never forget that one. He told me, he said, Greg, if I ever catch you fighting again, you're going to get a whooping. About 
a month or so later, something happened. He called me aside and he said, Greg, he said, I'm not always around. He said, but you and Leanne always go out and do things in the neighborhood. And he said, you do things at school, you're around each other. He said, Greg, if you ever see anybody lay a hand on your sister, he said, you pick up the nearest two-by-four you can find and clobber them in the head. Now, you'll get a whipping for it when you get home for fighting. But if I hear that she got picked on and you didn't stand up for her, you're going to wish you'd gotten that whipping. You know what he was doing? He was teaching me something. He was teaching me to be the man that God had given me, the role that God had given me to be. To take care of of my wife, to take care of my children. There are times Jonathan will get agitated at Reagan and they'll get playing and he'll haul off and slap her or, or smack her in some way. And oh boy, he gets in trouble for that. I'll be like, Jonathan, you don't ever hit a girl. Ever hit a girl. Well, Dad, she was picking on me. doesn't matter. You don't ever hit her. I don't care if she was poking your eye out. I don't care if she was ripping your arm off. You don't hit a girl. We don't teach our boys that anymore, do we? Then we wonder why they end up in jail for spouse abuse. Just don't hit them. Stand up for them. Give your life for them. Treat them like royalty. Remember there was a day that chivalry was alive and if a lady was walking down an old muddy road and there was a mud puddle there, a man would take his cloak off and lay it down. There was a day when that happened. Not anymore. Now we see young men cutting ladies off to get the closest parking spot at Walmart. What a man has to do at Walmart, I'll never know. But they got to get the closest parking spot. They try to get in the shortest line. They try to get in the door before the lady does. Men, let me challenge you tonight. Let's be an example. We've got some young men in this church that need to know what a real man is supposed to be like. What a godly man is supposed to be like. You say, Brother Greg, doesn't it involve studying the Bible and praying? Absolutely. But it goes so much further than that. We need to teach them to be men. We need to teach them in one, that one day they can be a good father and a good husband. I'm thankful for Father's Day where we can honor fathers. And a Sunday night crowd, I know we're preaching to the choir, so to speak. But may God help us to have a revival of the spirit of the role of the man and what God has given us to do. Work hard. God has given us work as a blessing, not as a curse. Care for your wife. Care for your children. Love them unconditionally. And teach them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I stand with heads bowed, please, and eyes closed. Father, we're thankful for your word. Lord, you've made no mistake in Scripture. You had a plan all along. You knew exactly what was going to be taking place. Lord, for thousands of years, men and women understood this. It's only been in the last hundred years or so that we've seen such a decline. The roles being blurred to the point where they're no longer even hardly recognized anymore. Lord, it's hard to even look in the society that we live in today and not go one day without seeing somewhere 
the roles have been blurred so much that we can't even distinguish anymore. God, may you help us to have a revival in the hearts of men to be men. To teach their young boys to be men. To teach them to be chivalrous, to love the role that they've been given in life. To love and to cherish and to care for their wife and to provide for them. To love and honor and cherish their children. To do the work that you've given us to do. May we get to the end of our life and hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I pray that you'd help us to be men. That will be Christ honoring in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.